Hi, everyone, and welcome to Consumer Watchdog's Rage for Justice Report. Uh, I'm your host, Carmen Balber, the Executive Director of Consumer Watchdog. And our intrepid guest this week is Consumer Watchdog's Litigation Director, Jerry Flanagan. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Carmen. How are you doing? Doing well. Stuck at home with the rest of us. Yeah. Um, so I wanted just a quick process note uh, for everyone before we get started. Uh, Consumer Watchdog, like probably uh, most of you who are not in essential professions, health and safety, transit, food supply, are probably working from home. Uh, so is Consumer Watchdog, full capacity but remote. So if you notice our sound quality is off or there are any little glitches in the podcast, it's because we left the, uh, the microphones and our recording equipment in the LA office and went to a little lower tech. So let's get started. Uh, Jerry and I have been talking about the kind of information healthcare consumers need to know during uh, this unprecedented crisis. Um, and we're not medical providers, so we're not going to be giving you health advice about how to deal uh, deal with symptoms or scares. Uh, but Jerry is one of the top experts in the country on healthcare consumers' legal rights, um, and that's what we want to talk about um, in a in a healthcare system that is still on the for-profit private insurance industry model um, that entails uh, payment issues and access issues and everything that goes along with insurance, um, consumers need to know their rights. So, Jerry, where do we start? What kind of tips do we need to give healthcare consumers during this pandemic? So the good news is that if you're sitting here on my, uh, March 27th and you don't have health insurance, uh, it's not too late. Normally, after January, uh, the open enrollment for health insurance closes, and it would generally be too late not right now to buy coverage. But because of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, California regulators uh, and Governor Newsom have extended the deadline to enroll in coverage for, uh, for 2020 until the end of June, June 30th. So, uh, that's the good news. The other piece of this is that uh, if you lost your job because of the pandemic and therefore lost your employer-provided health insurance, you can also enroll in individual and family coverage, and you can potentially qualify for subsidized coverage. All of this um, and more can be accessed through the Covered California Insurance Marketplace. That's the uh, insurance exchange in California where you can enroll in coverage. You can enroll online and over the phone. The website for Covered California is www.coveredca.com. So, so most important number one tip, if you don't already have health insurance coverage, you almost certainly qualify to go seek it now because uh, we have new protections that allow folks to enroll uh, later than normal. So that's really good. Um, so that, that gets folks covered. Now, once people are covered, uh, what do they do about getting care? Well, there's kind of two pieces on that, which is that one is that the uh, state regulators uh, have been promoting telehealth, which is this idea of uh, contacting and having a doctor's appointment that in ways not required to put you into the doctor's office. So over the Internet, over the phone, streaming media, video conferencing. Uh, this is sort of a new uh, you know, healthcare technologies, and the regulators have been promoting and pushing uh, insurance companies to um, increase access to telehealth by telling the insurance companies 
that they have to reimburse doctors and other medical professionals at the same rates, regardless of whether services and visits are provided in person or through telehealth. So if you're curious about telehealth and whether, you, you know, the best, um, the best thing you can do is contact your physician or medical professional and find out what technologies they have available. And of course, the benefits of telehealth is that if you're concerned that you have uh, COVID-19 uh, symptoms or other symptoms that uh, uh, you, and, and you want to, um, you know, keep uh, your eye on the social distancing rules, telehealth allows you to have that conversation with a medical professional without leaving your home. Now, do you think uh, your insurance company or your medical provider could require you uh, to do your initial uh, visit via tele telehealth? Because I know a lot of people are being told, don't go to the doctor, call your doctor. Well, if you think you have symptoms. You should, yeah, I mean, the first thing you should do for uh, if you have symptoms is always call. Um, the insurance companies have not got to the point, nor regulators, to say that you're required to do telehealth visits. Um, I can imagine in some areas, maybe some rural areas, uh, uh, there may be questions about technology being sufficient in doctor's offices. Um, but the first step always is to call the doctor's office to find out what they prefer and what the best um, uh, you know, um, pl uh, platform to uh, get that uh, medical visit um, and, you know, and follow those recommendations. So, so number two for folks to know, you can talk to your doctor without actually going to your doctor, give them a call, or there are all of these uh, telehealth options that is really a step forward in the healthcare world, even in the midst, midst of this crisis, um, uh, an expansion of access that folks have been fighting for for a long time that maybe will be an upshot or an upside uh, after we all get through this crisis. So, um, what about coverage? Uh, what about if you think you have uh, the virus and need to get tested? Yeah, so one, uh, just one other thought on the telehealth is mm -hmm. that, um, you know, a lot of these softwares like Zoom or Microsoft Teams are all downloadable from the Internet. So even if you've never used it before, uh, if your physician or medical professional uh, has the capability on their end, um, getting set up on these various technologies, really doesn't require much more than having a computer and an internet connection. So to move on though, to answer your question about what happens, you know, if you actually make that phone call and you need to go in uh, to get a test, one of the questions uh, we'll be getting a lot, well, do I have to pay for the test? Uh, and, you know, it, what's, what's it gonna do to my deductible, my co-insurance? So the two parts of that, one is that any medically necessary testing, so any test for COVID-19 that's ordered by your doctor after you give them the McCall, uh, your health insurance uh, plan will cover it in California. Uh, the, there have been, the regulators have come out to make that very clear. Uh, number two, um, under the direction of Governor Newsom, your health insurance company can't charge you any out-of-pocket costs. So these are your deductible, your copay, co-insurance, there can be no cost charge to you as your co-share for getting uh, this, this treatment. And that, um, that rule, that new rule, emergency rule, also covers any costs associated with getting a test in the emergency room, urgent care, or your doctor's office uh, if the purpose of that visit was to get screened or tested. So if you're going into a... Uh, medical office or the hospital to get a test after your 
doctor said it's time to go in, you won't be charged out of pocket costs either for the test itself or for the any other facility costs related to the to the visit. Right. And that of course brings to question to to the to me, to my mind, the next question is, well, what about the treatment um, if you do have COVID-19? And it's my understanding that um, there are no mandates out there yet that uh, insurers cover treatment uh, without, and let me, let me rephrase that, that insurers have to cover treatment, uh, but they don't necessarily have to waive your deductibles, your co-pays like they do now in California for testing. And so it's going to be on a case-by-case basis and I think still developing uh, a lot um, state to state and insurer by insurer as to whether or not you'll be responsible for your out-of-pocket charges if you have to be treated or hospitalized even. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt under, you know, any um, health insurance uh, plan that's, um, you know, that, that meets the requirements of the Affordable Care Act and federal law. These plans are going to cover treatments once you've been diagnosed with COVID-19. Right. Uh, it, it, I haven't seen anything yet going to the next step of, of waiving all of the out-of-pocket costs regarding treatment uh, in the same way that we've seen already done for the testing. So to be clear on that, the uh, governor and the regulators' message has been there'll be no out-of-pocket costs, co-payments, co-insurance deductibles charged to patients related to the testing for COVID-19. Uh, I haven't yet seen that announcement as to the treatment, therefore. You know, obviously, if you're you know, diagnosed, then you know, the, the, the cost issue shouldn't be something that you w- would keep you out of the hospital, the doctor's office. And I think that there may be more coming on the case-by-case basis analysis as we go forward. I think that's definitely something that that we'll what we have to for the for this point uh, tell consumers to keep their eyes open. Go get the go get the coverage no matter or go get the treatment no matter what. Um, yeah. I think things are still involve, uh, evolving on the uh, cost front. So um, so that's that's what you might be on the hook for um, if you go in for uh, testing for the virus. What else What else should we be warning consumers well, about? Yeah, yeah. Another thing is, like, you know, for folks that have a chronic uh, condition that they're um, taking uh, maintenance prescriptions for, particularly conditions that um, involve immunosuppressants, so where the uh, immune system is being suppressed, um, there are definitely ways in which insurance companies can keep you out of the pharmacy. Um, uh, weekly or monthly. So normally folks now have to renew their prescription drugs every 30 days, but there's been a lot of uh, discussion among insurers and advisories put out that if you're in a position where you need prescription drugs, but you're worried about uh, the um, periodic trips to the pharmacy, you can request a uh, 90-day refill. So of course, to get those prescription drugs, at least for the 90 days, you'd have to go but at least you don't have to go monthly and therefore cutting down on um, the, the you know, access point where you, you may be uh, in close proximity to other folks in a pharmacy. Uh, this is not necessarily, um, this is part of me, this has not been something that's been proactively uh, required of plans, but under federal law addressing 
uh, disabilities and pre-existing conditions, if you ask for this accommodation for a 90-day refill of your maintenance medication and your insurance company says no, uh, the failure to provide the flexibility in response to a specific request like that may violate federal law. So if you are concerned, and I've heard from folks who are concerned about going out a lot to get those maintenance drugs on their hand, you need the maintenance drugs, um, one way to limit your exposure to the pharmacy is to request these uh, a 90-day uh, prescription for the maintenance medications. I have another tip uh, on that front, actually. There's been, uh, some of our listeners may have seen the news or read the news about a rush on a certain uh, medication that is used for uh, chronic disease um, patients uh, with rheumatoid arthritis or lupus. It's called hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine uh, that the president rashly announced from the podium one day was going to cure everyone and caused a rush on filling perhaps unnecessary prescriptions for this unproven treatment uh, for the virus in pharmacies across the, the country. And I know that um, I'm hearing that there are shortages in a lot of retail pharmacies, um, inability to access the medication. And um, I've heard a tip uh, from some that if you try your health insurer's mail order pharmacy, they may have a larger supply than your local retail store. So if you're having trouble at your local pharmacy, obtaining that drug, which we know a lot of people are, um, try your health insurer's mail-order pharmacy. They may have better access. So what's next, Jerry? Big question. Well, the next thing, so we, you know, we've figured out how to enroll in care and maybe how to cut off your, um, or cut down on your exposure to um, public gatherings like in pharmacies, et cetera. The next issue is that if, if any medically necessary uh, care, whether it be testing or treatment or otherwise, is refused by your health insurer, uh, through under California law, you have the right to a independent medical review. So this is also known as a IMR, it's the acronym, Independent Medical Review. And what that is, it's a um, process through state the regulatory um, agencies that allows you to uh, petition for an independent review when an insurance company either delays or denies medically necessary treatment. Uh, this is not a new right. It's one been in, in place for some time, but it's um, one that's uh, certainly worth being reminded of uh, during times like this when there are increased pressures and therefore maybe increased denials um, in the health insurance system. So um, you can either, um, there's two regulatory entities in California um, that allow you to access uh, these independent medical reviews and, and depends on what kind of plan you have. But uh, the California Department of Insurance on uh, their website, insurance.ca.gov, has asked that all independent medical applications related to the COVID-19 treatments to be sent through a special portal in their website uh, so there'd be a, a faster review. So, so you just go to insurance. Good. Yeah, correct. They don't get lost in the shuffle, right? Insurance.ca.gov. And that, of course, brings um, brings us to an issue that is starting to be more and more on the front pages as um, uh, hospitals um, in New York start raising the questions of what do we do when we 
when or if uh, we start running out of the medical equipment we need to take care of people? What if there uh, aren't enough ventilators to go around? How do we make those hard decisions? So there's a there's a big question here about what happens when um, the winners are being uh, chosen in the healthcare system. And I, and I know you've got some important advice for people on that as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not surprisingly, and you probably know this intrinsically, that, you know, people with chronic uh, pre-existing health conditions and disabilities are not only vulnerable to acquiring the virus and having more severe side effects, they are also vulnerable to discrimination in the uh, healthcare system. And the good news is, is that we have in place longstanding both state and federal law, including the Americans with Disabilities Act, and also the newer Affordable Care Act that provide that um, you cannot be denied medical treatment purely on the basis of your disability. So that uh, folks um, who have pre-existing medical conditions simply because they have diabetes, depression, and intellectual disability or a mobility impairment, for example, cannot be on that basis denied care or also have their care be made a lower priority to receive treatment. Um, when it comes to federal and state law and access to care, the question that you, um, medical professionals need to ask are, will this person uh, benefit from the treatment? And when you're looking at survivability or um, potential complications related to the treatment, you can't focus on the underlying disabilities or subjective sort of beliefs about uh, quality of life, law the federal law requires that medical professionals focus on whether or not the person can survive and be treated with the um, you know, medical treatments for the COVID-19 illness and not look to other disabilities. Um, so, and that, so, that, that, so that's important to kind of keep in mind as we move forward. Of course, we hope that we don't get to the point where we get into true rationing, um, but you know, it, it may be something that, at least in some communities in the U.S., is a requirement. And I mean, it, it also raises a lot of questions of the existing inequalities in American healthcare that lower-income communities of color are have much higher prevalence of heart disease and other chronic conditions. And if we just if if someone proposes uh, starting to make those decisions on who gets care and who doesn't based on how healthy they already are, then we're going to see a, a much worse uh, level of discrimination on that front. So all of which is to uh, just make sure people know that they have a right to care um, regardless of what uh, their current health situation is, what their current disability might be. And I, I'm in my mind, I think it really highlights the need to have policies in place at the state and national level about how to make these decisions so individual doctors don't have to be making life and death decisions on the fly ad hoc um, uh, with little time to, to think about the decisions that they're really making. So uh, you have that right, um, but we, I think we need some, some policies on the national level uh, to make sure that consumers are protected. Agreed. Yes, um, objective measures that are determined in advance and applied uh, to patients regardless of their underlying pre-existing conditions.
Absolutely. Well, uh, there's probably a whole nother podcast of conversation we could have on that topic, but uh, let's leave it there. Uh, save that conversation for next time. Uh, thanks for joining me with all these great tips for the public, Jerry. My pleasure. I hope you didn't hear the uh, homeschooling going on in the background. <laughs> I've got a, a seven-year-old and 11-year-old who are, um, well, homeschooling <laughs> themselves at the moment. It will make everyone feel like they're at, they're at their own home. Um, all right. That's it for today. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on the Rage for Justice report. Uh, we promise to keep the weekly podcast coming uh, throughout this crisis and, uh, and beyond. Uh, for updates, visit consumerwatchdog.org or subscribe to the Rage for Justice report wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carmen Balber. Thanks for joining us.